This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> if you look deeply into the palm of your hand you will see your parents and all generations of your ancestors. All of them are alive at this moment. Each is present in your body. You are the continuation of each of these people. Thich Nhat Hanh. With conscious engagement of our ancestral roots, we become more grounded and comfortable within ourselves as we feel the support of thousands of people who dreamed us into reality. Valeria interviews Jen Hudzik. She's the author of Ancestral Healing, a guided journal for observations, reflections, and connections with your ancestors. Jen is a certified ancestral lineage repair practitioner, death doula, educator, ritualist, and firewalk instructor. As an animist, she has spent decades integrating earth-honoring practices with her former Catholic upbringing while reviving the traditions of her Slavic ancestors. She holds relationality at the heart of her practice and passionately supports others to reclaim their intuitive capacities, engage with their ancestors, find peace with mortality, and prepare for the threshold of death. Jen is a first-generation American who knows the deep wound around lack of belonging and the struggle to maintain connection to her cultural roots. Her people are Slavic, Polish, Ukrainian, Russian, Czech, Germanic, and Scandinavian. She tends traditional Abenaki land in New Hampshire and offers private sessions, rituals, education, and group circles. Meet Jen at jenhudzik.com. Here's the interview with Jen Hudzik. In your own words, who is Jen Hudsack? <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, so Jen Hudsack, who am I? Oh, I am an ever-evolving species. I really am. Um, I am the granddaughter of Hedwig and Raymond and Rudolph and Geraldine, and I am the daughter of Linda and Ernest. And I have um, a long, long history of being connected to my ancestors, and I am uh, of Eastern Slavic, Scandinavian, and Germanic descent, and I'm currently stewarding land in New Hampshire. Yeah, I am 
just seeking all the time and allowing myself to be open to receive and really trying to live a life of curiosity. I am uh, I'm a ritualist and I am an ancestral lineage repair practitioner, a death doula, and I have been so many incantations of other things throughout my life. But um, more presently, these are the these are the definitions. These are the these are the places that I am exploring in my practice and in my life. That's wonderful to hear. It's refreshing and wonderful at the same time because I do hear the wisdom of self-knowledge and self-exploration from any angle, really. Because intuitively, I have this idea, this message that every experience leads us to the truth sooner or later. So yeah. there's something about you, the way you responded to that question that kind of fulfilled <laughs> Um, yeah, the intuitive kind of reflection. I never heard this way before, I have to mention. Somebody who, so I have interviewed so many people, but nobody answered the way you did. Actually saying the names of the people that came before you. Of course, there are a lot more probably than that, right? A lot more names, but you mentioned some of them. So this is a good time to ask you about ancestors, that, that open question. What are ancestors? Mm, yeah, wow. It's, that's such a broad and beautiful question. And, um, you know, for me right now, my, I see, you know, my definition, um, my experience of ancestors is really of an energetic matrix that we evolve from, that we come from. And of course, there are many other influences there that um, create who we are as individuals. But our ancestors are really our root system. You know, I named a few by name, but we really have thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people um, throughout history and time that have created us, you know, energetically, emotionally, physically. And so they're not separate from us. They are us and we are them. And there's very much this idea that they exist outside of us. Um, but my experience is that they, they work through us. They weave through us. They inspire us. They hold us. And that, you know, we are really a piece of the larger web with them. So yeah, yeah. So really they feel like this, um, they really feel like this net, this web that is consistently holding us along with everything else, right? Like the planet and the animals and the plants and um, in this larger framework of animism, our ancestors are just one component of that. Mm, yes. Uh it's interesting to hear when you say, um, they are us, we are them. Yes. It's a challenge to think about ourselves as an individual then, right, Jen? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. These days, I don't know, has, this has been actually forever the question of who am I and has been one of the most fundamental and profound questions we can ask ourselves. 
So when I hear that, uh, what you just said, the, the statement, they are us, we are them, that makes a lot of sense to me, you see, to my brain. <laughs> and for most people, probably it doesn't because they are looking for the fixed self, that, right? There's something that, we'll, that we can identify as our own unique self. Yes. But it's always composed of parts anyway. And if you go deeper into it, there's no fixed anything Mm-mm. in looking for that self, for that something that we think we are. Yeah. yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more from you about this fundamental question of who am I and how do we, are we actually trying to find something that is consistent or it's okay to actually be parts, be all these people that we are influenced by or part of them, or are they, as you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when we hold ourselves in this fixed position of individuality, our, you know, our thinking and our perspective becomes really narrow. You know, we, we really focus in on the microscopic. And when we do that, we can isolate we can really feel lonely. We can feel like we have um, a lack of support, a lack of connectivity. And our problems can seem so big and so monumental and, you know, overwhelming. And when we broaden our perspective to include our ancestors, we realize that our, you know, perhaps some of our, uh, our issues or our patterns or things that um, are manifesting in our lives, it's really part of a larger system. We're just, you know, we have, we are that individual, but we are also part of a larger system. And some of the things that we carry don't just belong to us in our little microscopic universe. They really broaden out to be included in this larger network. And when we hold that larger perspective, we realize that there is a lot of resources available to us. There is connectivity. There is community. There are all those things that are available to us when we work with our ancestors in a really conscious way. And suddenly, you know, our problems that we're dealing with, they, they tend, they can have less gravity and that's not mm. to minimize, you know, right. any of what we go through, right. but to also see the things we carry as larger systemic issues that have woven in and out of our own individual ancestry, um, you know, can provide some type of, um, comfort in a way, although it's not the comfort, you know, we we necessarily are used to or we crave, but there is an understanding that comes into play. Mm, Yes, beautifully said. That understanding, that's crucial for clarity. I love the large perspective, big picture idea, because that is exactly what I've been looking for my entire life. Something that would give me that large, larger perspective. I talked to you briefly off record, is, has been this very broad idea that everything is essentially one reality. 
So it's almost like saying that everything is made of the same substance, mm-hmm. uh, everything and everyone. So in that sense, when I, when I got to understand that, to realize that, then it's almost like the entire humanity became my family, my ancestry yeah. in a sense. So now I'm not looking for even my immediate family members or my grandparents, my parents. I'm not looking for them or into their history to find, find out more about me. But it's a spiritual perspective, of course, but it's, uh, it's also one that can lead us to live not just peaceful lives for ourselves, but to... To expand that to others. Yeah. That's how I feel. I'm kinder to others because I'm kind to myself because I know my own essence. Mm. So how would that fit in within the work you do, Jen? If I was working with you, for example, of course, we all have challenges. And as I mentioned off record too, I have some challenges every month with mm-hmm. a women's friend. Before it's here, it, there's a lot of more anxiety and the body seems to be craving certain things, even foods or even expression. I'm a lot more expressive for some reason, and I'm saying things that I usually don't say. I would kind of be more careful. Always in a kind way, but it's almost like there's this urge to speak the truth to everybody that I meet in a sense if there is an opportunity, like with my husband. It's almost like, oh, this is urgent. You know, You must talk more about these things with people around me. So, yeah, talk to me about how would that fit into the ancestral healing work that you do? Yeah, so I think you're specifically speaking about cycles of our body. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, our ancestors, they, and, and I'm speaking specifically of ancestors of blood and bone, you know, also knowing that, you know, we have many different types of ancestors, you know, nature as an ancestor, Mm, land as an ancestor, um, (laughs) you know, spiritual ancestors. So there are many, Mm. you know, many, many different um, uh, segments, if you, if you will, also knowing that they're all part of the larger consciousness, but, um, but, you know, our, our ancestors of blood and bone, you know, they went through incredible trials and tribulations of the body Mm. and, you know, how they have sought food and how they have created shelter and how they have, you know, gone through phases of disease and plague. And, you know, all of those, um, all of those experiences, I think, for the ones who lived through them and the ones who did not, there was a there's a sense of resiliency there in the body. And even the ones who perished because of plague or war or famine, you know, I sense that we hold those experiences as well. And we cycle through those in our own lives, you know, when we have, um, you know, different orientations to how we um, nourish ourselves or how we work with food. And we have different cycles, you know, as women with how, um, you know, our menstrual cycles move and flow. And, you know, all of this, I think, can be a reflection and is a reflection of of how our our people, how our ancestors in their physical bodies also went through these 
these seasons with their physicality and, you know, all of the, um, all of the challenges that they had to face. And so I think we hold those pieces, you know, and they come up at different times for us throughout our lives, throughout, you know, the different seasons of our lives. Yes. Yeah. That resonates true to me. Everything is in a way registered by the body. So it's here. Yeah. It's not even about letting it go, but I'd love to ask about the programs that you offer for ancestor healing. What is the process? How does it work? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Yeah. So the process is based in a framework that was developed by um, a man named Dr. Daniel Four. And um, the framework is one where you step into this place of really getting grounded and embodied. And that's really the first step is really making sure that you are aware of and conscious within your physical body so that you can really anchor into that ancestral DNA and um, you can have a real solid base of support. And then there is this process of connecting to whatever it is that you are identifying with as a higher power, a trusted power. So you're pulling in support on an energetic, spiritual, intuitive level. The other piece is ritual safety. And so creating a space in a container where ritual safety, meaning well, meaning boundaries, you know, having um, having a safe, secure, energetic space that you're doing the work in um, is really pivotal. And so there's these three foundational pieces. And then we move into identifying through uh, a process that involves an assessment into which lineage right now is the lineage that would be um, the most appropriate to begin with. So not necessarily moving straight into the most toxic lineage, right? We all have an idea of which line in our families holds a lot of charge. And so not necessarily going right directly into the troubles, but really evaluating all of our lines and, and looking at what is what's what's safe, what feels connective, and what feels right for this moment. And we really work then to create um, an ancestral guide connection because this is a journey that we really can't go it alone and we don't want to. So the process is one of co-creation with an ancestral guide, we call it, you know, a guide or an energy that really steps forward to, um, to assist with the healing of the lineage. And through that process, we work with the guide and we look at the blessings and the burdens of the lineage. We hold a container for all of those in the lineage who aren't spiritually well. We, um, yeah, we uh, we do ritual, we make offerings. And, you know, in the end, the idea is that we can then become the face of our lineage, knowing that the lineage has received healing, that there's clarity throughout, that any troubles have been addressed, 
that there has been an individual and also cultural uh, systemic issues that um, have been looked at and and excavated, so to speak, um, and extending all of that goodness of our line through all of our living ancestors, having that land with us so that our work in the world can be held by and fueled with really positive healed ancestral energy so um yeah so without you know without (laughs) going on and on and on that's it in a nutshell which isn't you know which Uh isn't exactly concise but um and it's pretty vague but at the same time having a step-by-step framework to really lean into really holds the process um for people who are ready and willing to step forward into this type of intuitive healing work. It's fascinating. Even the thought of getting to do the work, being open to go in, on this journey, it's just incredibly enriching to me, it sounds like, although I have not, never done it, but it feels that way. Because it is intuitive, I believe, to all of us that there is, we are being guided it's very clear to me, but I know for some of us, it might be just a thought. Oh, it feels like, it sounds like, but, you know, the, the brain takes over, in a sense, of the logical yeah. brain, and then you just kind <laughs> yeah. of dismiss everything. But yeah. I have had many experiences where that's exactly the feeling, and I'm certain that I was being guided by, you know, I can say someone Oh, there's not a something. So it was, there were entities that they were trying to help me with challenges in a very clear way. It's almost like uh, paranormal in a way, you can say, because right. you can see even things, me doing things that I'll never do. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Like, one, I have, yeah, it's like fascinating like that. And, it, and the, the logical, my mind, logical brain kind of finds it fascinating. Like, wow, interesting, because I'm very curious and um, <laughs> I don't push away anything. <laughs> But it's truly amazing when we wake up for this truth that we're not fixed. We are just, uh, we are, ah, I love the way you say these things, but I cannot um, kind of remember the exact words. I love the way you said that before they are us, we are them. So everything is interconnected. There's no separation, really, none. And that's that's basically what my understanding is, which is, it's truly beautiful, but it is impersonal too at the same time, because we, I'm not trying to look for a person in, in me. <laughs> so it's almost like an impersonal, personal beauty, impersonal wisdom, infinite mm. wisdom. Infinite, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely infinite, <laughs> limitless. So there's some that I want to ask you. Yes. Is your work considered spiritual? Ah, I... That's a great question. Is my work considered spiritual? I, you know, in the context when you when you position spiritual and religious, when you take those two and and you compare them, and if ancestral lineage repair had to fall in one or the other, you know, to be binary for a moment. (laughs) I I would say that it is spiritual in nature, and yet people who are drawn to ancestral lineage healing, some of them don't necessarily consider themselves to be 
a spiritual, you know, to have a spiritual practice or to be a spiritual being. And, um, and so I think, you know, that definition is different for everyone, but there is the component of um, having an understanding of, or at least being open to that concept of consciousness and of, you know, animistic principles, which is, you know, the idea that there is life force, there is consciousness imbued in everything. And if somebody holds that as a possibility, then ancestral healing um, falls within that realm and, you know, perhaps under that broader umbrella of spirituality. Yes. Uh, Well, it sounds very spiritual to me, I have to say. (laughs) Yes. I have to say, yes, that's the word that I often use in consciousness, pure consciousness with infinite, impersonal, timeless, limitless. So that really resonates true. And when I read about your work and listening to you now, that's what it comes to mind immediately as an energetic resonance. Even listening to your voice, the sound of it, how you choose the words and the rhythms, that's like, ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's something's here being revealed right here, right now. And that consciousness is here. So another question is about the signs. What are the signs when we need ancestor lineage repair? What would be the signs? Yeah. Wow. What a, There's a myriad of signs. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, I think that when I, when I take stock of all the people that I have worked with to date as a practitioner of this work, the sign that seems to be the most common thread is the one that is the least able to be defined by language. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Right. right. So there, there yeah. is that like yeah. that sense. There's a sense. There is a feeling. Mm. There is a pull. I mean, these are the words that, you know, that I, that have been told to me, like I sensed it. I, I felt it. I was called. I was pulled. And so, you know, whatever that resonance is, that magnetism, that I think is the first and most common sign And then, you know, there are other signs, you know, um, there are synchronicities that happen in a person's life that become undeniable. And those synchronicities become, um, they become immune to self-doubt, right? Those are the things that we can't, we can no longer deny. And so there's the synchronicity. Sometimes people will have a really clear sign um, you know, sometimes the, um, sometimes the call is, is, is more subtle. So it happens differently for everyone, but I think that people get to a point where they're no longer feeling an alignment in their lives. And that, that, you know, that lack of alignment can look like uh, feeling, you know, like a really deep lack of belonging. They can feel exhausted with the intergenerational trauma and wounds that are erupting in their lives. Um, they can have a sense of feeling like really unrooted. Um, 
So, you know, those are some of the, some of the more like emotional manifestations um, that can, that can arise, that become the calling that something is needed. There is an, there is an interaction, there is an intervention that is needed. And then there's this, you know, synchronicity that happens that opens the world of ancestral healing to them and, you know, people step in. Yes, that also makes a lot of sense to me. So in a way, we are being guided to healing, those spiritual understandings, to clarity, to pure consciousness, right? That really also, that resonates true to me, especially because my own experiences and also because I talk to a lot of people and I talked to somebody, I interviewed somebody, uh, I think it was two years ago, a year ago, I'm not sure, about spirit possession. That really resonated like it was something, an ancestry type of thing. Her work, it's basically to identify what's holding you back, like what is in you, attached to you, that is leading you to not necessarily a good place or to to act, to behave, to think in a positive way that can help yourself and others. So she called it, it's almost like, it sounded a little bit like The Exorcist. I'm not sure. Do you remember that movie? Uh, The Exorcist, yes. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, I I wanted to laugh, but I didn't. (laughs) And I shouldn't anyway. But it sounds funny, I know. But it made sense to me when I heard, when I was listening to her husband, actually, because she doesn't do interviews. So she would, um, she's like so quiet herself in meditation and doing her work that her husband answers the questions and does all this. So anyway, it got the feeling that that was the case, of course, with my own experiences, acting in ways that I knew they were not in alignment. And then the, the curious mind asking, what does it, it's, is it coming from? Where is this coming from? What is, why am I having these thoughts? So in trying to almost like uh, there's, and I know that there was a part of me that was looking into the behavior and those actions and kind of questioning everything. So, and then I became curious about that one that was, <laughs> that was uh, asking the questions. And then I guess the closer I got to that, you see, but I don't know who the I is anyway. You know, now there's another I that's looking to that one who is asking questions. <laughs> and then it went on and on and on to the point where it's almost going back, back, back. and now there's nowhere to go backwards. And, and then you're left with this being, being what it is. And, and to the point of now, I would say it, I'm just open to everything that is here. So I'm not really trying to push away, even if it is a bad thought. And I know how. Oh, and then I, be, I just ask the question, oh, that's what you want me to see? And then I'll listen to and then show me what else, what more, and then it goes away. It's almost like a smoke, it disappears. And then that's my practice because I know it's everything here, it's passing, it's not really stable, it won't stay. I guess the question, is this something that you would work with as well? People who are, because I, I get emails, which is interesting about that interview. They, they saying like things like, oh, I have these thoughts, kind of strange thoughts. And then maybe, do you recommend that I, could contact this person because I heard the interview, you interviewed her husband about her work. And so I guess the question is, is that something that you would, it would fit within the work you do as well, Jen, or this is something else? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, not all of our ancestors are well. 
And not all of our ancestors are, you know, that gold star standard of, you know, just glowing, beautiful, benevolent. You know, we tend to think like, oh, as soon as people die, they become this thing. Mm, Right, Um, right. And, you know, in my in my experience and what I believe is that that's not always true. Um, There is an evolution of consciousness that continues to unfold after the after the death of the body. And some of that evolution continues forward and there's elevation and healing that takes place. And, you know, other consciousnesses, they're they're slower and they're more troubled. And so, you know, the troubled dead can really play a significant role in our lives. Um, And, you know, this is not to scare people, but it is, it is the reality and, um, or it's a reality. And when we have the tools and we have the framework and we have the ritual safety and we have, you know, a practitioner to help hold and anchor the energy and the ritual space, you can explore those troubled energies in um in a safe way and in my experience oftentimes more than uh, more more often than not those energies are seeking attention there's mm, something that's right. needed there yeah there's something that's needed and yes. it's not um it's not necessarily you know evil it's annoying and yes evil exists but there is more of the sort of like annoying it can be very um it can be uncomfortable it can be scary at times um when the troubled dead are infringing on our personal space but it's manageable it really is manageable so it you know what you're speaking to really does tie into the ancestral work because there's a whole spectrum of health and wellness that exists within the ancestral realm. Wow. And this is also part of the work you do as a death doula? Uh, So the ancestral healing is, you know, obviously it ties in, but um, working as a death doula really, you know, my intent is to enter a space, uh, enter into a, a space with somebody Um, completely neutral and to really support them and what their belief systems are and, you know, to center them and their spirituality or their, um, their religious, um, their, their religious belief systems. Um, But, you know, always in the background for myself, you know, there's, there's the ancestors and, and so I also hold that you know, personally, privately, when I am, you know, engaging in death doula work. Your work as a death doula, would that include guiding the person, which is not a person to me, to clarity, to understanding, getting to the the space of pure consciousness so they feel free? Ah, yeah. So... Absolutely. You know, if those conversations come up and, you know, and and the person who is in the dying process 
is open to having those talks or instigates those conversations, then absolutely I would have, you know, those conversations and um, ask lots of questions. I would ask lots and lots Mm. of questions. (laughs) Yes. What a beautiful work, um, the exploration of life and death that to me is one and the same. I don't see a difference. (laughs) A lot of times I say, ah, my husband sometimes he says, you know, he talks a lot about death. It's almost in a, in a fearful way. And, and I tell him, what about if we were already dead? <laughs> Think about if this was already, a, you know, death itself. And he kind of laughs and brushes it off and all. But I guess I'm not kidding about that. Uh, well, life and death, it's, I, I really don't see them being opposite. So it's just another, it's another change, isn't it? It is. Another movement is. <laughs> within consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I think it's definitely another initiation. It's another rite of passage. And um, I think it's Eckhart Tolle that says, you know, birth and death are two points within the strand of life, you know, something like this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but life is continuous and birth and death are just two points on that continuum. Um and so, yeah, yeah, it is, it is, yeah, another initiation for us. Yeah, initiation, that's a, another interesting word, <laughs> initiation. <laughs> it's almost like a, an invitation <laughs> to yes. go deeper, right? <laughs> yes. And I resonated with me when reading about your work as a death doula, oh, actually, the end of life doula, right? That you talk about the everyone, actually, this is for everyone not just for the dying or the people who are the family members of the dying, but it, it could be for anyone at any age. And you said something interesting about taking off. Yeah, you say, from the moment we take our first breath, we are on a journey towards our last. And it's interesting, when I, hear, when I read these things or hear them, it doesn't, I don't know why, but it's, it's, I have a smile, almost like uh, it's, yeah, that's it. It's the truth that really kind of brings joy, opens the heart, and in not the denial of, of the end, of, of what is happening. There's something that within me that kind of relates to these things differently, but I know that this is not the, reason, not the case with most people. Most people are very much afraid of dying, and they don't even want to talk about it. I notice that with my own family, I can't have these conversations around them. It's almost taboo to talk about death. How do you feel about that? What is your vision, actually, for that? Do you feel that this could change at some point in our human history? Ah, oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I have have hope for that. Um, Because we've been there before, you know, as, as, as a global community, we've been in a space up until just recently of embracing death as a natural process, as an event that is inevitable. And to, you know, I don't want to say to return to that, but to evolve into that understanding again is um is something that i have a lot of hope for and the more that we embrace the idea and the reality of death 
And the more that we reflect on all of the small deaths that we've had in our lives, right? Not just people dying, but the ending of a career, um, you know, the ending of a friendship or a relationship. I mean, we experience small deaths all the time. And, you know, the more that we sit with those endings, I think the more we value life and the more we are in touch with our mortality, I think the um, the greater our desire is to live and to live fully and to take risks and to be curious and to be open and to be grateful. And so, uh, yeah, so, so much about death is really about life. It's really ah, yes. living. <laughs> <laughs> so true, Jen. Another beautiful insight um, true to my heart. Yes, yes. And it's funny because the deeper we, we go, the more understanding we have, the more clarity arises, and the, the more at peace we live. And that, and that has been definitely my experience with so much trauma and holding on to so many things. The moment I let them go, I, I let them go in the past and, and keep letting it go now. Then I see that there's more space for joy, for peace. And, and it's almost like um, a sense of completeness. That's what it feels like. Everything that's happening, like, for example, even not finishing a meal, it's already complete. Uh, if I died in the middle of it, <laughs> that's, <laughs> ah, that was a complete experience. <laughs> and there's this, this, um, feeling of satisfaction, of fulfillment. So that's, uh, I don't know, it feels like a practice, but at some point it's just, it becomes a realization. Like, okay, this is, yeah, how wonderful to be here, whatever this is and whatever is happening, it's just amazing. Yeah, there's a that sense of all, yeah, it's curiosity, isn't it? It's almost like a child looking through the lens of, um, I don't I remember being a child and really, seen life that way. Everything was beautiful, wonderful, and even the, the harsh stuff <laughs> until until we start to kind of overthink, I guess, and try to correct things. I think that's what I did as a child too. I become I became very much my parents were very violent and I tried to <laughs> correct the violence and make them peaceful. And that's when I suffered a lot more. So that's just fascinating to me that we can even have conversations about these things. <laughs> It's amazing. Would you like to make, I know I have a lot of um, other comments that I made here, some notes that I made, and I wanted to mention them about your services. But is there anything else that you left unsaid, uh, Jen, for today's conversation? Anything you'd like to mention? Ed? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm just, I feel very grateful for having this conversation and for being able to openly talk about um, you know, the the ancestral, you know, the ancestral healing and the ancestral realm and to really pull, you know, pull the ancestors into this conversation. And, you know, speaking about death is difficult and there's a lot of charge around it and it's painful and, um, you know, and I understand and hold space for that. And, and also being able to, um, being able to see the beauty and the joy in it. And I really appreciate how you have opened up the conversation to that and for holding that. So really, I have nothing to add other than that. I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this, 
for this opportunity and for this discussion. Yes, I feel the same way. Every time I I have a, a guest who says yes to talk to me about these topics, it's uh, gratitude. It's almost like, um, I use the word appreciation for some reason, and I say deep appreciation, but they're all one thing. It's just that sense of togetherness, isn't it? It's almost like, oh, we are sharing one thing. We are exposing here one, the underlying reality of that holds all of this together. That's what it feels like. It feels very sacred. But the way I see it, I, I try not to make sacred space just one specific moment in time or an experience. I, I kind of always try to bring that sacredness to everything that I yeah. do, the thoughts, I mean, everything. And it doesn't always work, <laughs> but <laughs> right? Like we try yeah. to be happy with everything and be peaceful with, but it's, it's all part of it, isn't it, Jen? It certainly is. It <laughs> certainly is. And it's, you know, life is beautiful and messy. Yes. And fun in that sense. <laughs> yes. When yes. we are aware, right. Uh, <laughs> that's messy, but it can be fun as well. Absolutely. So I'd like to mention some of the services that you offer that I look in on your website. I found them. Under Ancestor Lineage Repair, you offer Beginner's Path, The Long Road, the collective journey and support sessions. I love the way everything's so organized and easy to read and clear. And then you also have services under spiritual mentorship. And then you have spiritual cultivation, spiritual tending, and mentorship support sessions. I apologize for the noise. Today's noise around my house. Uh, it's part of part of the fun too. <laughs> it's part of this too, right? The conversation we came exactly. It, that's I have to mention this one. One day I was trying to meditate and do some stretching, breathing exercise outside my patio, and then I heard on the other side neighbor. He was coughing really hard and making a lot of noise, and I remember some something in me becoming very uh, distracted and not in a good way, and it's like. Gosh, I has to cough right now. Does he have to make this noise right now? I'm trying to meditate here. And then there happened, I think, one, probably three times. And then the, one day I went back, the same thing happened. And something changed or something else came along and said, you know, it's, it's wonderful that you can hear the sounds. That's the reason you can hear the beautiful meditation music and the sound of the birds. But... That's because you can hear, you have that ability. So with that comes everything <laughs> that, that can be heard. And that's when it changed. And I said, oh, I wish him well, the man who was, he was coughing because he was not well. So I, I started kind of praying for him and just meditating more on him getting better without, of course, though I don't know the man, but it's one of my practices to always be aware and kind and and. and that the underlying reality, everything is one here, so there's no separation. So automatically by doing that every day as a practice, these insights, they come along, you know, out of nowhere. I mean, I, I had to share this, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then uh, you also have <laughs> lots of programs under the uh, end of life doula, inquiry, advanced planning, legacy project, video preparation, video, video preparation, threshold support and grief and beyond. So thank you so much again for your beautiful presence in this reality, Jen. Thank you for being open thank to life. Thank you. 
Mm, you as well. Thank you so much, Valeria. And before we say goodbye for today, where's the best place to find more information about you and your services? Oh, yes, yes. Please go to my website, which is jenhudzik.com. Yeah, I do have here. So have that link on your website profile, the interview profile. Is there anything else you would like to leave the audience with, whoever listens to this? Let's say, what's one message? If, if you could leave with them just one message, what would that be? Mm, yeah, one message for this day, I think. Yeah, just to remember that we all come from people who dreamed us into reality. And although the few generations back from us may hold a lot of pain and a lot of charge and a lot of trauma, there is goodness in every single one of our lineages and there are gifts, and there are blessings, and there's beauty that we embody. And so my encouragement is to remember that you have many, 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 many people and a large, large web of consciousness that really is holding you all the time. Yes, uh, beautiful message on not being alone and not feeling alone. Thank yes. you so much again. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jen Hudzik and her work, please visit jenhudzik.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.